0: Welcome to the One-Shot Test Kitchen. Today's episode, Spoken Magic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One-Shot Test Kitchen, where we try out and review tabletop RPGs. I'm Samara, and with me today is Mike. Hello. Uh, Today, we are going to be reviewing the game Spoken Magic that we played on the previous episode with our very special guest, Chris, and today will just be Mike and I digging into our thoughts, feelings, reflections, musings, hopes, uh, rules, when Samara replays it again. (laughs) (laughs) I want to start... And dive right into some like thoughts and reflections I had about playing this game, having watched the real hmm. play before we did. And before I get into that, have you ever watched or listened to a real play of any of the games that we've played before to get a sense of them before you've run them or played them? I
1: haven't. I've been trying to kind of go on as, as clean as I can. I believe I did look at a a let's play of night witches for mostly for pronunciation purposes. Mm. Uh, Just trying Like, you know, how do you pronounce like the, the Russian airfield that we were at and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I've never, I, I try to keep it as, uh, as clean as I can going in because I kind of want to be hit by the thing all at once.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do have to say that having done this on the one hand, what it gave me, One of the reasons I wanted to do it is that a critique I have is in regards to the rules and the way they're written, which Hmm. may be the result of them being a part of this game jam. But I would have liked to see some refinement as they created this Roll20 module. But I found the rules a little bit confusing so I really, as, as a person who picked the game for this episode, I wanted to make sure I was really comfortable with the rules. So uh, what what led me to watch it was to to kind of get a sense of that. But I agree with you. I think moving forward, it's something, even if I am confused by the rules, that uh, I'll still go in cold. Mm. Especially for the spirit of, I think, what we're trying to do here of, you know, picking up RPGs and thinking about them, you know, top to bottom, soup to nuts.
1: I'm I'm curious. so you mentioned about the rules. so I saw the rule set that what uh, was in rule twenty mm-hmm. it's it's literally kind of like a sheet of paper almost. yep. was that all you had as well, or did you have a PDF or anything like that?
0: No, that's it. those that's all you have. them's the rules Hmm. and it seems
1: seem, very
0: sparse it is it, and it's open to uh, I mean you know we know it's okay to be open to interpretation and that's mm. you know is what it is i think because i had watched the real play i came in and maybe directed us to the interpretation that felt you know the real play i watched had the game designer in it so i felt like we were being true to you know the, his intention the the way they set up and and a lot of these games uh, that have the like come up with all the details and then play a scene. But mm. like this was unclear that it was a scene. It was sort of like, you can play a scene. And to me, overall headline, it felt like the rules were like inside baseball of a friend group that I was not a part of. That like, if I was a part of this guy's RPG gaming group that had a certain vocabulary or way they like to play, this would fit right in. But it felt like I was like missing that key to interpretation
1: yeah i i definitely see that i think there is a the rules of this game seem to make a lot of assumptions about like who is playing it like this is almost extremely self-evidently not a game for beginners uh like this Mm. is like you need to understand and have a kind of a an already established rapport with i think some of the people that you're that you're talking with Mm mm-hmm and that can be implied because, like, you know, I didn't know Chris or anything like that, but I knew he played games. Like, I knew he knew how a, an RPG would work. Yep. I think it's leaving it to the players to decide how, how much is time spent dealing with the concept and how much is time being spent with the story and narrative and, and characters to some degree.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: very, it, it, the rules as written leave unclear what it wants the balance to be.
0: Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. And also, it feels like there's an unspoken right or wrong about what that balance is, which I so I guess on the one hand I was grateful for watching the real play because I felt like it allowed us to avoid spending more time debating the semantics of our interpretation of like how it should go. Um, and I could just give us a clear, we're going to go this way. But on the other hand, I was like, man, if I didn't watch that real play, there is another direction that this could have gone. We could have taken it, but would we have gotten there or would we have spent so much time being like, I don't know if that's what the rule means. Is that, oh, well, I guess we'll just go with it.
1: So what what would you say is like the main difference between the last play you saw and like what we actually recorded, like in terms of where the emphasis was?
0: How did their game differ from ours? Yeah uh we did not do as much role playing my disclaimer is they were the most like charming delightful group of people that i was like oh i would totally like wanna go on this romp with them it was definitely more lighthearted than ours mm. but it was more grounded in the characters and and it was clear to me that we were more um invested in the larger world building story just to keep on bringing metaphors into this, if, if the lens that you viewed this game, it seemed like the game allowed for a lens that like went really micro on the character level, but really macro on the world and the magic systems level. And it felt like you were playing a video game like a Forex or a city builder game where you could like zoom all the way down to the sim, but then like also, you know, on the economic scale. And we seem to like to sit in that middle level. So I think that led for our narration and setup of scenes. We went through it a little bit faster. Now, they had more players, so obviously that took longer, but mm. they they definitely, like, that group seemed hungry to, you know, do the, like, well, I'm Clay, and this is what I think about magic, and, like, how dare you? So I would say that that was probably the biggest difference, is that they sort of, like, let it. But then I also felt like, I'm glad we didn't because what I watched in the real play and what we've experienced in other games is that there's no, they just, it was like letting a balloon, like, out of your hands and just going off forever. Because unlike some games that say, do a scene with these objectives, Mm -hmm. it was like, describe a scene, you're the leader, you can bring people in. And so you could sort of, in theory... Play until you felt "quote unquote" satisfied, which is, I think, what the rules say. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I I mean, I mean, just to 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 the first point about the like kind of the scope of this or the scale of this. Yeah, I, I can understand that the intent was like you know to, or may have been. I don't know. I don't want to speak for for the author here, but the intent may have been to have like an interplay between the character level and like the metaphysical level and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I feel in the rules, there really wasn't, there really wasn't much in the way of character building. There was a lot in the way of magic building. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, so I had a, I had a concept for Raziel that like never really got like never really found expression Mm -hmm. because I felt that the characters and like, I felt this was the same with Melanoff and Clay as well. The line between who they were and what their magic was, was incredibly blurred. Yes. They were those concepts more than they were characters that used magic in a particular way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like some of the questions I asked in the beginning were like, you know, what, like, how do you feel about this magic and whatnot, trying to get at kind of the character level of it. But like, There was no real impetus. It was like, this is an obstacle. How do you overcome it with magic? Explicitly with magic. Mm -hmm. And so it requires more focus on the magic than actually like, like say for example, one of our characters is a woodsman. Like, you know, they could blaze a false trail or something like that and like, you know, lead them in a different direction and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious as to how, if that was the intent and that was the kind of thing that you saw in the let's play, how much of that had to come from the group like saying we want to role play this as opposed to the game saying like here is room to role play it
0: yeah i mean i do not think that the rules set you up as a player to instinctually go to that level that to Mm. to play at a character level to tell the story to have it be a more character-driven story um and so if you're somebody that inherently does that, then it, it again goes back to that initial critique that it feels like a little inside baseball of like, mm-hmm. you know, a group of players that you already knew and how you like to do things. Conversely, that could work really well if I brought this game to my friends who are a group of like nerdball world builders and was like, oh, this is this will be great you know the characters will do them in the same way but like we can really build this world and like let's just really agree that we're going to sit at you know whatever level we sit at because i do think it's an interesting it's an interesting story structure oh you yeah know, using the cards with the problem having the magic you know and, and we'll get into this more but like you know the mechanic for spell casting and all of that so i i think structurally if if fundamentally it's a it's a collaborative storytelling game where the cards are giving us the structure for that kind of chapter, you know, each chapter of the story we're telling that worked but I do think that it kind of fails at defining the layer scale, you know, focus lens that we that we tell that story at.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think even even talking about the structure like the journey structure is very very good. Like there there mm-hmm. is a sense that like you are going on almost a Tolkien-esque or The Hobbit-esque. Here is like another location with another problem, and another location with another problem. And these, the names are very evocative, like the Salt Cliffs, the Shores of Terror, or, or whatever it was. There is a kind of a hero's journey-ish kind of feel to it, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it wasn't characters going on those journeys. It was it was those concepts of magic. It was these different kind of ideas, how do they? those ideas fit into this problem, as opposed to how do these characters solve this problem? Mm. I mean, again, it is the tension of what's going on there. Like, it is a character structure to this journey, but the resolution of it is up on this metaphysical level that is not very tied to the characters at all, at least I felt.
0: Yeah. I mean, would it have been different if we approached it differently? You know, like, would it have... I'm trying to think how much the story would have changed or the experience would have changed if because we very collaboratively as well kind of spoke to each other and said things like when we were in like the fracture, for example, and we were talking about like, you know, we sort of opened it up to a collaborative thing of saying, like, yeah, I think Razael like really, you know, feels empowered by this area. And because nothing's really growing here, I think Melanoff really in a sort of peaceful state, but I think that Clay is really put off by it. You know, we sort of, so we did talk about sort of the mental emotional states of ourselves in this, but we didn't give any forward thrust action. Uh, You know, there was, there was no driven plot, character driven plot that was happening in our explanations. And I wonder if we would have said in that moment, I'd be like, okay, so the scene is that I just felt this moss, like, like, you know or we've come upon the fracture do we now explore it and play the scene and at what point do we call it i call that because it's my scene you know
1: we were forced to tell and not show like we were forced to kind of like talk about the interiority of our characters as opposed to show them by outward action because like the only actions we could really take were the were the magical words and even that was like v- that's very couched in motivation are you helping or hindering are you Like, you harmonizing with these concepts or not?
0: Yeah. And I want to go back. Like, do you mind if I just read the rules specifically for when you pull a location? Sure, please. So it says, on your turn, draw a location card and describe a scene at the place you have journeyed to based on the prompt written on the card. Describe the landscape and its features, any people that might live there, and any other special features. This scene may involve the other characters, and you may invite their players to join you in describing or enacting this moment. But ultimately, you decide what is and is not included in your scene. Describe the landscape and its features, any people that might live there, and any other special features. Take your time bringing wonder to this description. The lands you travel are, quite literally, only what you describe. So that, to me, does not necessarily... Yeah, like, it's, it's a little... That's setting. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And when the problem occurs, right? So then you draw this second card, which is the problem, which again, like I want to say mechanically for collaborative storytelling, I think it's an interesting mechanic for that. But I do think this, you know, micro macro issue is, is really the sticking point for me. But they say, once you are satisfied with your scene, a problem occurs, draw a problem card and describe the issue at hand based on the prompt written on the card. Discuss who the problem affects and why, and explain why the problem must be solved with magic. Some problems may have additional instructions. If these instructions cannot be followed, the spell automatically fails. Avoid describing problems where the consequences of failure would end the journey. Once the problem is established, you may begin speaking the magic words. That too does not, that that isn't even do a scene. That's just like, then you draw this card and you describe the problem and you make your spell.
1: And 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 literally the problem has one solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, like
1: like, you don't have a lot of leeway around it. There's, I mean, this wiggle room in what words you use, which is kind of the whole idea of like the language component of this. But again, that's that's keeping it at the very like very high level, the very metaphysical level, as opposed to how do the characters feel about this problem? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like you know how like you know, uh, and there's an ancient curse here that is something potentially Raziel could be very interested in, Mm -hmm. but at the same time it is already dictated that it is something that must be overcome and it must become overcome in this certain way.
0: Yeah. And I think because of that kind of binary, there's again, this unspoken language that we do not know or vocabulary that we do not know for a group wherein now there's this, you can help or hinder, which is presuming that we have enough character involvement to want to help or hinder this. And then the pass fail mechanic, the dice mechanic, I feel like what the spell casting, what the problem into spell casting mechanic prevented me from, and we were often on the cusp of, was that I felt like we were conduits for magic, sort of apprentice arcanists. And that through this journey, we would have defined like a new magic because we're combining magics and we're creating spells in a way that like we had never done before. There were often times that the words that we gave, could have created new, weird things and interpretations, because I think it's cool how the words go together, what order you put them in, how you interpret that. But because we had this idea of, well, it has to succeed or fail, you have to help or hinder, it felt like very clearly like, well, this spell is either going to do the thing that Mm -hmm. we set out to do or not, rather than we came into it with an intention, we threw our magic into it, and now it's become... A new a new thing. Like, I felt like we couldn't interpret, uh, particularly since my magic words are often so, such strange definitions. Mm. But allowed for possibly interesting interpretations that we couldn't really go there because it really was, well, did the curse get banished or not? Did we escape or not? Did we get to move on to the next scene or not?
1: Yeah, and like, there's an assumption that like... What we're facing, like, we have to overcome in some way. There, Like, you can fail magic rolls and, and whatnot, but you still need to go to the next step of the journey. Like, so you can never fail it completely. You can never, like, have, like, a catastrophic thing, which kind of limits it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It seems very narrow, the path that this game wants you to walk in terms of its narrative. I think where it reserves its... Like kind of the like the most possibilities in the words and the magic itself, mm. and that is like I mean I, I I have my I have my questions about that uh, I I but like in terms of yeah I mean I don't want to repeat too much but like yeah it does seem like this game is of two minds it feels like it has this core interesting thing about language and like ideas and uh, like you know concepts. But then it kind of tries to push it into a game mold that, like, is very, like, a journey, uh, an adventure, a a quest that doesn't really fit it. And by necessity, it's like, okay, because you need something to do with the words. You can't just sit there and explore the words. You have to use them somehow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think how it forces you to use them is very limiting.
0: Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm missing half of the story and I kind of want to be a fly on the wall of what the game designers normal game group is mm. to know, like, there seems to be a very specific problem that you're solving for or that the game style that this is in response to, you know, it feels like not this game specifically, but... You know, there are some people that I play with that are sort of like min max power gamers. Mm -hmm. And I hate when they're, you know, when they really get in their heads about stuff. I could imagine being like, well, I'm going to create a game that they have to play that is like, you know, role play, but it's really going to get to the heart of their like min max power dynamics or really feed into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wish I sort of knew because it does feel like in response to something that, like, oh, what these other games don't quite give me. I'm now going to get here because, you know, stuff like I have to admit the dice mechanic really feels sort of out of nowhere yeah. as as you're going on stuff. And so and on the flip side, I think the last thing before we move in, because I want to go to I want to move to the dice mechanic and spell casting and yeah, spell yeah. words on the first half of this game. The one the other thing that I will just say is that, like, I really did like character building though i wish there was more of it if characters were meant to be more of a focus but i like the idea that i'm given a school of magic i pick a name and that my character is defined by the questions that other characters ask me what characters are curious about that's a fun way for me to build a character in these types of character driven rpgs or a lot of these like sort of like more collaborative storytelling world building ones. Um, it, it was fun to be like, oh, we're not all answering the same questions. And it forces you to focus on the other players because you go to think of a question for them. So you get out of your own head and you can really think about different things. So I did like that before. We-
1: no, no, no. I 100% agree with that. I, I like the concept of building a character in response to questions because it makes you think about, okay, so based on the concept, how does, how does this character answer this question? Or, you know, whatnot the the issue that it runs into is that it leaves too much unsaid. Mm. Like, you know, I'm looking at the rules for this right now. And it says on your turn, ask each other player to tell you one thing about their character. You may let them tell you something of their choosing, or you may ask specific questions such as where did you learn your magic? That's all the guidance they give you. Mm-hmm. Like this could be literally like, how old are you? What is your family? Or it could be like, you know, what we ended up going with, which is like, how did you use your magic to harm someone?
0: Oh, and there was a moment in the real play when that kicked off where, you know, the first person to go interpreted as, I ask you a question about me. So she, so it would be like me as Clay being like, Mike, what? I think she was like, what color is my hair? It was like, oh, that's a way to interpret it. And so, yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's
1: they didn't even know which question was being asked of whom. That's very up to interpretation then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I transposed it to something like, uh, like Night Witches, which I don't know if you remember, as part of the character creation process, we went through the playbooks and all that. And at the end, the GM got to ask a very specific question about, mm. and there was a list of these things that you could ask in the book. It was like, you know, uh, like, what did you lie on in your in your intake forms? Yeah. Like, you know, like a very specific, incisive thing that will get at a character, uh, characteristic. And, yes. but, and I, like, again, I like that as well, but again.
0: Well, that can't be the this. only, yes, exactly. Like, I think that those types of questions, I, I am inherently of the school of thought that you get more creative responses. You engage your creative brain more when 100%. you have very specific sort of things like that. Uh, the restraints are helpful, but even if there was something as slight as like, okay, you've got your school of magic. Okay. You've got your name now go around and explain, describe, you know, one brief scene, right? What a typical day looks like for this part or, you know, just something then do a round of questions, but you needed a little something more. And I think to our earlier discussion, because that was so light I am also less inclined to center the narrative on this character that I've only answered a few questions about. I have more my I'm thinking more, you know, metaphysically. Anyways, based on my school of magic and the the six cards that I have and what they mean. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the magic. Let's talk yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So we were given six words. What did you? How did you feel about the the stage of like uh, defining them? What did you think about like that? Did you like that? Did, you know.
1: The thing I liked about the words and whatnot is that, well, it was a little bit of both because like, I had to bring some of myself to it. The words are basically like, okay, assign concepts to this. Okay, fair enough. Some of the words were kind of broad enough and they kind of had like cognates or sounds that like you could tie to other words or concepts. Like, uh, I'm just looking at the, the stuff that I had here. Uh, zarosa. Like, that sounds otherworldly, so let's say that's magic. Uh There were, like, certain words that I think could evoke a thought that were not full words, and I like that. hmm The problem that it ran into... I think was twofold. The first is that like sometimes like, like what do you assign to the word lay, L-E, but okay, whatever. Uh that's a very specific complaint about a specific card. The problem I I kind of ran into is that like, okay, I don't know how these are gonna be used. Right. Are these nouns, are these verbs, are these adjectives, like what are they? And mm-hmm. like not just what are they, but like what are they expected to be?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I try to give myself a kind of range of it. I gave myself Noun, verb, conjunction, adjective, all that kind of stuff. And, I, I, like, I think it worked out, but, like, again, this is where the rules are kind of silent uh, on, like, how you should interpret this. And that may well be by design, mm. but I I came out of the naming process a little bit like, I did I do that right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I do feel, like, top down, the entire <laughs> experience, kind, first time playing feels like is this the right way to do this? I, it feels like there's, and, and, and only in that, it feels like there is an unspoken right way to do it, uh, which only is further driven home by a dice mechanic. I think that for me, yes, I would agree with everything that you said. And the only thing I would add was that I felt like I, more than either of you really focused my words on, uh, my school magic. Mm-hmm. um, and because my interpretation was, okay, well, these are the words I know, and the card I put is my words are restorative. These are my magic words. I'm sort of this, like, apprentice arcanist that, like, you know, just sort of fucked around. It was like, oh, this is, this word does this. Okay. Hmm. So was thinking of it really like, okay, well, what are the words that I've used in this shithole town? And what do they mean? And then thinking also sort of linguistically of like how certain languages, you know, when you translate from English to other languages, that there are things, there are single words in other languages that sort of mean phrases across Mm. other languages. And so that drove some of my choices, but also, and even knowing, having watched the real play, how they combine into a spell, I got to say, I watched that real play and it still seemed kind of iffy murky a little confusing um mm-hmm. on how they combine them and that's why it was a little frustrating because it felt like we were like on the verge of finding something new that worked for us on how our words combined and could make something but then you were sort of slapped in the face with this dice mechanic and then having to pull another card and having to do this and having to do that have to do that and you're like oh mm-hmm. okay well uh, so yeah, I would say that in general, it's cool that you get to define what your magic words are. But once again, not enough clarity on structure, not enough clarity on what the purpose for what they would be used for. To again, like again, you could be more creative with more structure.
1: No, 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 hundred percent. Like you know, yeah, the, when you're creative within limitations, like that, you yeah. know, that breeds more creativity. But I mean, like also that lack of structure also occurred with the the actual casting of the spell. Uh, as opposed to just the meanings of the words. Yes. I was never clear if like, okay, am I saying my word and everyone else is saying their own words? Is it a sentence we're making? Is it a concept? Is it, are we just kind of shouting them out and they're each having an effect or are they having an effect together? hmm yes. I, like, again, like it's very hard to understand even what is going on. It leads to interesting discussions about, Word meaning, but it doesn't lead to narrative motion. Yes, it le- it, it does. It does not lead to things happening in a way that is understandable. It leads to things happening that are have to be translated for them from the very abstract to the very real.
0: It's yet again another piece. Like if if I go from the beginning of this journey with this game to now this point, okay, this is a new mechanic. Okay. It is one more thing that we as players have to sort of collectively go, sure, I, mm. I think that, yeah, let's go with that. And there's a lot of sort of leap of faithing. And I think the struggle with that is that you start to get, we cut it off early with only three locations. And maybe if we would have gone further, we would have found it and defined it. But my instinct is that we would have gotten lost because there's so many things along the way that we're sort of collectively deciding because there aren't clear rules or or guidelines on it. That we'd be like, are are we cool with sort of bending the magic this way or interpreting it this way? Mm. And this I feel like is odd coming from me as someone who mm. does not like stuff that's too on the rails. But this is a real my Goldilocks paradox. This was this bed was too soft.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is very much like. This definitely errs on the side of like a lot is open to interpretation. And if that was the intent, I don't think it works in enough circumstances for me to like recommend it. I think it it it, it very much then becomes dependent on who is playing the game.
0: 100%. And it's just to me feels like rules that I bring to a babysitting afternoon with the girls that I watch which is like, I bring a piece of paper and they draw doodles on a map and then we go on an adventure based on their map. That's the game we play together. And Mm -hmm. this didn't feel like there's so much to it that was open that it had that vibe, which is a fun experience, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But then just when your guard is down, you're like, you know what? This is just playing pretend with my friends. This is just a structure to just bullshit with my friends about a magic world. Fine, okay, I'm going to give into that. I'm just going to release into it. Then they're like, now roll a dice. And yeah. here are three bullets that are so convoluted. If there's one six, if there's a six, but then there's not on the other dice. And if there is a four because somebody was trying to harbor it. And then if the moon is in the sky, I just. Was
1: <laughs> it's an incredibly inelegant system. I, I Again, I understand the intent of it. Like you want to have a full success, partial success and failure but there's got there's got to be a better way. Like there's got to be a a method that I don't know, the dice roll feels tacked on.
0: Yeah, oh, one it feels like what we've said before, which is that I don't want to, I think we said this when we were playing Trophy. It feels like a mechanic that's put in for a group of gamers that I just Thankfully, do not have that much experience with, which is like a group, and frankly, don't want to play role playing games with, which is the type of table where fights break out in so much that you need to have a mechanic that says this succeeds or fails. Because you were role playing wizards that were at odds with each other the whole time, and one of the players was like, Not into this, I'm batting down, I'm throwing in this magic word to try to make this spell fail. And so you need a mechanic to solve for that type of discord at the table. That's to me what it feels tacked on for.
1: Oh no, totally. I, I, I mean, dice rolls are usually meant to mediate conflict in games, like or you know,
0: or randomize,
1: or randomize. But like, I, but generally speaking, when you're making a roll in D and D, it's like there is something you're trying to do, and you need to see if you're able to do it. Here, I think if the idea of if the core idea of this game. Is about exploring words and what they mean to tie what they mean to a dice roll seems very antithetical. I don't know. Maybe it is a consensus building mechanic that would serve this better. Like based on the words given what happens and, and whatnot, one person is trying to hinder, is it successful and why, but that requires a lot of like uh, narrative honesty from the person who is deciding what happens. Yeah. Um, Which you can't always rely on. So you do need something to mediate that conflict. But I, it's a very big clash between what the core conceit of this game is and the mechanic that it uses to express, to express that conceit. And uh, like, it is very, uh, uh, I'm going to get extremely fancy pants here. Uh, There's a lot of ludonarrative dissonance between those two things.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's kind of the frustrating challenge with this game because there's so much to love about it or possibly love about it. And it just, I don't know, it, 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 it feels like you're dating somebody and you're seeing a red flag. Like there are a lot of red flags in this game as you're going around and be like, Ignore it for now. It's going to be fine. Ignore it for now. It's going to be fine. And in the end, it was ultimately fine. We overcame it. I thought we told, you know, an interesting story that, you know, about our magics and our discovery of them and development of them, our connection to them, our deepening connection to them, uh, you know, our ultimate abandonment of them for some of us. Um, So, again, structurally, it did provide an interesting thing for us to explore and i it's almost like i wish that there would be another round of revisions done on the rules because i think that the quiet year or other games of that nature it could be an incredibly powerful world building game that could be used by a lot of people you know to help spur their stories or their books or, like, whatever they do or just for fun. Um, Because I really do think it has that potential. But I do think that unless I am part of the author's gaming group and I know that vocabulary or, and and what this game seems to be solving for, I just, there's something I I just really felt, like, not punished because it wasn't a punishing game, but I mm. just, like, never, I felt like I was always... I was always like turning in the assignment with a like I think this is right but I'm probably going to get a B on the paper <laughs> like
1: 100%. Like there is a there is a core to this game that is really really good and everything around it is like it does not embellish that theme at all. It does mm-hmm. not serve that theme at all. And in in some ways it actively detracts, I think.
0: Okay, well, we will take a break there because there is, you know, definitely more to say about this game, and we will be right back. And we're back. Okay, so uh, we have talked a lot about the mechanics and the rules of this game and um, how we feel uh, like—I think it's safe to say that in general— we feel like the rules do not quite reinforce the narrative that the game uh, is really trying to get us invested in. You know, that there's there's the opportunity for more refinement there and and kind of more clarity and cohesion. But we have indicated, both of us, a lot of, like, excitement and pleasure Um, about the kind of spine of this game and what feels like the intention of the game. So let's dig into a little bit about like what really excited us about and, 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 and kept us engaged in the game.
1: The core idea of this game being talking about the meaning of words and the power of language is really fucking good. Like I liked it a lot. The idea, I mean, like when you're talking about something like language, you're talking about something that's very much like a primordial force, like a very much like a, I mean, hell the, 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 the Silmarillion, like the entire idea of like the world was started as like as song or as words or as sound is like kind of core to the whole creation of middle earth. Mm -hmm. And the understanding of like that these uh, words have power. And then trying to understand how that power finds expression and is given form by both language and also the source of that power is great. Like, the the idea that, like, so Raziel had, I think, probably one of the more interesting, like, sources of power. Like, power comes from the profane.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Great. What does that mean, profane? There's a lot of possibility here. There's, like, a lot of, like, okay – Profane is like, like kind of an interloping, uh, feeling. It, it, uh, corrupts the sacred. It, you know, like there's a lot that you can do with that. Mm-hmm. And then the words that I was given. Okay, how is that as seen through the lens of something that is has a source of profane?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we'd talk about it, and like the challenge would be met by the like the meeting of those two different concepts, playing against each other and then playing against different words and different concepts other people have from the sources their magic, and it kind of led to these interesting discussions about what do we mean when we say this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it didn't fucking cohere. That's the problem that I get with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I made this joke that I don't think I should not make it in the real play, but I really made a joke about like it, it felt as elusive as a female orgasm at times because mm. it was it was like all the foreplay was there, right? It was like, yes. I am on this ride. I am ready. We're going to do this. Yes, 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 yes. And then like, yeah. and you just, you couldn't quite get it to mesh and we all really wanted to like i felt like the like we were all i felt like really in it really like wanted to tell that story we're interested and invested in it and i do feel like there just wasn't and i can't tell if part of that challenge is the the ever present issue of a lot of tabletop rpgs particularly that deal with magic systems that insist we have to have a conflict and a conflict resolution dialect even does this a little bit in its game system, but it's a little bit looser, but there is still things that you're, it's the secret language, right. That you're developing Mm. and whatever, but there are still, you know, you, you do have to obviously have tension and you have to have obstacles, but almost maybe not for this core concept. There is something, you know, you could still explore. I like the idea of being arcanists who have to leave home, who have to go on a journey and learn things, but must you, And and I guess they do, again, it's open to interpretation, right? They're called problems, and you define what the problem is, so it's on us, right? The ancient curse didn't have to be I mean, to be fair, the language was there, but the shores of terror and the problem Mm. that showed up there didn't have to be such an insidious thing that we had to escape, right? It could have been more subtle. We could have chosen to go in a more philosophical place with it. But again, because we know at the end of the turn, we have to solve it with magic and create Mm. a spell and that spell succeeds or fails, it does feel like it sets up this dynamic that we don't get to develop the language in the organic way with which you're speaking. Because in, in another version of this game, I could be really excited about how we all walked away and like, Words changed meaning, and when you put, what was one of mine that was like? There was the one that was like the oh yeah the the quadroneous one, right? Like Mm. the mending of a thing you forgot was broken, and oh no, what was the one that we used in the fissure? The one that was also like oh the mess before is there, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfect opportunity for like okay, this is a word that means the mess before but when you combine it with this word now it changes meaning and also because i'm now giving that word because of this mechanic of you discard words and then i give somebody a word um to put in their hand there's the opportunity that does not exist in the rules but like does exist in a game like dialect where like you can evolve its meaning um, Mm -hmm. or that what if those words forever are become conjoined so you no longer sort of break them apart now or now there's a new word that is now this phrase that now means this but that that mechanic or that sensibility like you said like it just never it, you didn't give me the thing to do that and the idea of how words are magic and these and there are different magic schools and how do they find common ground or never find common ground or how do they just evolve over this journey it didn't quite get there but it was like so exciting it's like such a cool concept and idea i am i am nodding so hard
1: to like everything <laughs> you're saying this game is interested in words but i don't think it fully understands the power of words and the power of words to change and evolve in meaning i think it tries to get at that but i don't think that it's just too. Ironically, it's too limited. Mm-hmm. It's play a word. Th- those words have an effect. Not the words meaning changes, or the words are difficult to say, or the words have a like have an interpretation or a connotation. Like like the words don't have homonyms. That like the word meat could be like flesh, or it could be like a a, a, a gathering. Yeah, meat or meat. There's so much to play with in language and this goes back to a concept of that these words, well, it doesn't even like these words have one meaning.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: meaning can be interpreted, but there is a core meaning to that word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is not generally speaking, how language works when it is used words, evolve words, change words, uh, become slang. Like dialect understands this a hundred percent, yeah, and like they, it understands how words, how language and community or society, like they shape each other. Mm-hmm. This is like no, there is a primordial word, there is mm-hmm. a primordial thought, mm-hmm. and the thoughts can be interpreted, but not the language.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's,
1: I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a perspective on language. Certainly, like there, it's almost a religious perspective. Like, you know, words have power, words have meaning, you know, there's, there's words that are a ritual, but I mean, I mean, hell, I was a, I'm a lapsed Catholic. Talk to me about the Latin mass. Like, I mean, you know.
0: On <laughs> um, well, our spinoff podcast, it's called Talk <laughs> to Mike About the Latin Mass. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I could talk a lot of, but I will say like, you know,
0: we really should do that. You know, I'm married to to a Catholic school boy who does not, you know, he's also a lapsed Catholic, but I also was not raised in any religion. So it was just me asking you dumb questions about the Catholic
1: faith. <laughs> oh, I'm a particular strain of Catholicism too. So I don't know how, how mainstream it is, <laughs> but but that kind of feeds my point though. Yeah. Well, like, even something like Catholicism, like means like that there is a one Catholic, Path. Like there's what like Catholic means like the, the the true path or something like that, the one true path.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet there's interpretations of Catholicism. Irish Catholicism is different than Italian Catholicism. Um why you gotta make different. it about
0: race? Why you gotta make it about race race with your spaghetti sauce? Wait, you're <laughs> you're both you, you get this. I
1: did not mention spaghetti sauce. <laughs> you are the racist, madam. <laughs>
0: sorry. Uh. <laughs> but yes, you're right.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like I could, I, I could feel that like this game, if it really, really leaned into the idea that words have a certain meaning and a certain power, and that like it is lens through interpretation, I can understand. I could understand it better, but it seems to want to be about the language itself and not about, you know, about the words itself. And, it doesn't do a lot with those words.
0: Does it want to though? There's a part of me that's like another way to look at it is are the magic words and the spell casting. There is a way that I can look at this and that it feels as tacked on as the dice mechanic as like Mm. the real intention behind this game is I wanted to create a wizard road trip journey game that like allowed us to do that. But wizards have magic. So how do I give wizards magic? But also give it some limitations so you're not just fireballing your way through, you know, these locations.
1: I I mean, I think if it was about the wizards, we'd have more in character creation. We have a lot more in magic creation. So that's why I think it's more about those words. (laughs)
0: but how much was there really in the words, right? There was as much in the mm. word creation as there was in the character creation. Like this is the, this is the maddening thing <laughs> about this game is that it's like, there's so much, even the game designer's intention feels like open to interpretation. And we are tacking onto the things that particularly excited us. And maybe that's the beauty of this, right? There's like so many things to get excited about depending on who you are. But no matter what excites you about it, it's almost like it's trying to please too many interpretations. And so it kind of gets lost in the multitude of interpretations possible.
1: I don't necessarily like that just because like, I feel this game wants to say something. Mm. I I feel this game wants to talk about language. I think like, I think that you could replace it with runes if you want it to be like, just like wizards on a a thing and the runes have power and blah, 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 blah. That's But it it very specifically focuses on language. Yeah. I don't know if leaving that up to interpretation, if that's the case, it doesn't have a core to it. It feels like, you know, it's a couple of mechanics and a couple of ideas for you to have an adventure. But I think it is really, I think it's got to be about the words. I I, I mean, we can disagree on this,
0: certainly, but... Yeah. Well, um yeah we're
1: we're trying to read the mind of the author too. Uh
0: so well you know maybe we'll get more people to listen and then we can actually have glorious, you know, game designer interviews. We'll get that. Tell your friends, listen to the podcast, make us more popular so we can get fancy people (laughs) together.
1: I mean that's the thing though, like the discussions at this game talk about like talking about this mechanic, like the discussions that it elicited were fucking great. I have never Never quoted Merceia Eliada in in the middle of a fucking like RPG,
0: <laughs> which is shocking because you're such a huge nerd that I'm surprised you don't want to swing that. I would love. Well, this gave me the opportunity.
1: It Gave me a perfect. Uh, yes, set you wonders. up perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me talk to you about you know, you know <laughs> the nature of religion and the sacred and profane. And
0: oh, please come over here. Let me talk to you about the. True nature of the profane. Um no, I agree with you. I I had a great time building like I was invested in the journey we went on. Like I felt like the locations we described were evocative. I felt like there was something very satisfying that by the end of it, Malinoff and Clay had ultimately effectively said. I don't think we're going to use magic anymore, which Mm. going back to the beginning of how we established these characters in the world that they lived in sort of was fundamental to their existence. And for them to have gone on even a short journey and returned them and like, Oh, I'm not doing that. And that it fit in and dovetailed so nicely with you being like, Oh no, I'm, I'm proselytizing that. Like we're changing the way that magic is done. Like that was still a lovely, compelling, invested story. It was a cool world. Um, it, and it still facilitated like an awesome session. And I think that that's, I think that that's really where you can tell, I think ultimately how much people like something, you know, if you truly don't like something, you kind of don't have much to say about it. (laughs) And you just, kind of shut the fuck up. But if you really do like something you think it's got potential, like you really dig in there and find like, ah, oh, if only just uh if you could just move it by a uh, and this and that. And so, I think it speaks to how much we actually really did enjoy our time with it that we are invested in trying to make it its sort of like most perfect version because it had so much potential and even despite some of our perceived flaws of it as we've detailed, it was still a really like satisfying game session. I disagree. Um, So I I mean, I think like, you know, you know,
1: it's, it's always fun to, you know, hang out with the, hang out with the homies and play a game. Like, you know, that's certainly always true. Mm -hmm. I have soured on this game. I think more than I, I was kind of like middle of the road, but like now that I think about it in, in retrospect, I like it less. I feel like it faints at meaning and does not accomplish it.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel,
1: I feel, and that is almost like, I don't want to say it's a game about nothing because it certainly has ideas. It certainly has thoughts about it, but the expression of those ideas does not. There's a, there's a, there's a quote by uh, 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 Roger Ebert, like talking about movies saying it's not what it's about. It's how it's about it.
0: Oh yes. Yeah.
1: And this is very much like it's about language but the way it's about language is very. It does not. It does not to me, and it does not in this in this session dive into the depth that I wanted it to, and deal deal with the subject in a way where I had a different perspective on language at the other end of it.
0: I would I would agree with you there. I mean, I think the satisfying game session that I had was was a wizard was a jaunty wizard trip. It had nothing to do with. Language or some of these other things that we think it had the potential to really speak to. I think that I think what was satisfying about it was nothing related to what I think what our perceived intention of the game is, and the core concepts that excited us. I think what was successful was like, yeah, I mean, and we already know this, like, the three <laughs> of us can sit around and, and, and tell a wizard story, like, with some prompts, like, that was still fun, but I do not think, I would agree with you, I don't think that this spell casting mechanic, and I'll say this, the, oh, I, I asked you this a little bit before we started playing, because I watched the real play, I definitely had an oh shit moment where I was like... <sighs> I have some thoughts and feelings about this game before we go into it that are not positive, but I don't want to bring that to the game experience and try to give it a fair shake, which I think I did but mm. I did not yeah, I was not satisfied at all with the the spell casting magic language development piece of it, and it did i mean it it did feel like we were doing a lot of the work for it, but the yeah. game was not giving us the game was not helping us, and the game was not um. I think for me, game mechanics, tabletop role-playing games mechanics need to have something that whether or not it's through dice mechanic randomization or rule structure or how your mechanics really speak to what your goals are, I want that moment of like Surprises, is maybe not the right word but that's sort of like the, the sort of like unexpected and not in like a monkey wrench turn we have to deal with but just a like you're spending so much time crafting this story and you're thinking 10 steps ahead and i think that the best of these games put an unexpected thing in your path that you then get to incorporate or or deal with and this cash has thoughts on it (laughs) Mm. but this game didn't have any of that i felt like we were just constantly like uh i don't know put a step there yep great okay we're on the next like that was the that Mm. was the experience yeah
1: i i i don't disagree with you i guess i'm just a little bit more on the negative side
0: i know it's it's a bummer i mean i well yeah yeah i i mean i fundamentally i think that it it does it does it doesn't stick to landing you know what if i had to say what my ultimate review is, I will go back to our metaphor from a game. I would say that it's like craving ramen at a good ramen shop and getting instant noodles and like mm-hmm. having grocery store dehydrated ramen and being like, this isn't ramen. It's a different thing. I yeah. really, I really wanted like that thick broth ramen with the pork belly, but Yeah. I mean, this is, this is its own thing. It's fine. You made me think I was going to get the pork belly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the idea of like talking about magic based on, on language, great concept, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I'm just, I wish there was a better elaboration or exploration of that. And there there really was not. I would agree.
0: Um, If there was a 2.0 version. I would read the rules of that. Mm. I hope that the regular gaming group of the game designer, maybe they like deeply enjoy this. Cause it it they know maybe they've got all the missing pieces that maybe weren't maybe they didn't have the benefit of like a great person to help adapt the rules. Like maybe they're mm-hmm. just even in the explanation, right? There's so much open to interpretation. Maybe with just some more fleshed out rules, it could have gotten there.
1: Yeah. A few more guardrails, a few more instructions. And I could have sung, I think, a little bit better.
0: Well, if you listening to the podcast want to make your own decision about Spoken Magic, you can do so. You can, for fifteen dollars, get the Roll Twenty plugin, or you can download the game itself directly at a n a r i s i s dot dot io slash spoken dash magic. Uh, it's Spoken Magic by Dylan Grinder. Anything else we want to say before we close out on this one, Mike?
1: Nah, I think I'm good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we've said it all. I've spoken enough, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will uh, leave it. Thank you all so much for uh, listening to our review of Spoken Magic. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod on your listening platform of choice so you can know just when the next episode is. We don't even know what we're going to play next. But uh, if you want to know as soon as it airs, you should subscribe. If you have any comments or questions for us, or if you have a suggestion for games that we should take on in the future, drop us a line at ostkpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at ostkpodcast. Thanks for listening and be well. It's probably just your sinuses being like, fuck New York winter. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Okay. But I don't like that that whispery sound. I I have a more sonorous fucking voice.